Welcome back to the How Did I Get Here podcast, uh, where we talk about a lot of things, but it's primarily um, uh, a podcast that's giving you a behind-the-scenes look at um, pastoring, pastor life, um, ministry life, church life, if you will. And so if you have been a part of any congregation, you know that uh, the pastor or pastors, um, we ask you to do things. We ask you to um, volunteer. We ask you to give of your time. Uh, we ask you to give of your energy. Um, God asks you to give of your first fruits and your money. Um, we we ask you to um, sometimes to be you know t- things like be on time and to to do a good job to do things with excellence. Um, but also, I feel like a lot of pastors we spend we spend most of our time outside of outside of bible related things where we're looking for ways for us to be better to be better versions of ourselves to be what we need to be for our congregations what we need to be um just a better better at our calling but today uh, we have a short list of things that we would say that we would ask of a congregation like these are the things that the congregation can do to help the pastor i know this isn't isn't something we talk about very often I know sometimes, if, for me, it's it's uncomfortable to even think about or uncomfortable to to talk about. So we have we have Pastor Beckles with us again today, and he is going to help us walk through this short list of things that we have come up with in reference to uh, what these are the things that the congregation can do um, to help us. So any anything you want to intro with before we get into our list? I believe that one of the greatest oversights that we have in the church is the fact that a pastor teacher is a gift to the body and sometimes we as congregations can see the pastor as the enemy more than we cherish him as the gift to the body and that is manifested sometimes in the way congregations respond to the gifts that God has given to the body. Yeah, so we have six things. Uh, these are six things that you, and in some cases we, uh, the congregation can can do to to help our pastors to to help um, aid in in his calling. And so the first one is cooperation. Yes. I think sometimes some people come, some persons are in the congregation and they see themselves as sent there to go against what's going on. And that spirit can really, really spread. I believe that one of the most fundamental ways in which a congregation can help the pastor is by willingly cooperating. Much of the opposition that I've seen over the years in my pastorate was personality driven. It was the opposition was because I didn't, I don't like the idea, I don't like him, or I don't like who he's doing. 
things with or what he wants to do. And there was nothing morally wrong. There was nothing biblically wrong. There was nothing legislatively wrong. There was no violation of any statutes or any laws. And so they just didn't have a spirit of cooperation. I believe that the greatest gift a congregant can give to his pastor is just make up his or her mind. I'm going to be cooperative unless there's a violation uh, according to one of those areas I just mentioned. And you're saying that from the from the position in the heart of, hey, you are vital to what it is that we're going to do. Not cooperation from the standpoint of just do what I'm telling you to do and leave me alone. Or no, just no, do what I'm no. saying to do and shut up. And I think a lot of congregants, when, when we talk about cooperation, I think that's how they feel. They feel like, well, this pastor just wants us to go along with everything he wants us to do. And he just, you know, he just wants us to blindly, blindly follow him. And, and we're not talking about that type of cooperation. No, no. And I, 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 I did not even include that consideration in my answer because I'm of the view that we were past that, you know. So this isn't, and I, I'm also answering in the context of a pastor who has the heart for his people. So if a pastor has the heart for his people, he won't be going along those lines that you're talking about. So, yes, it, it's, it's with all those things that you said or included or didn't include that I'm giving the answer in, the con in that context. Okay, so number one is cooperation. Yes, just uh, make, it, make up your mind to cooperate. All right, number two. Uh, number two is to appropriately honor the pastor uh, for his position and his work. Yes, the Bible says that we must hold those in high esteem for their work's sake. Now, wh what's the work? First of all, remember that, and I always use this phrase at home, any pastor worth his weight in salt has a lot of weight to carry. You, a, a pastor who is really called by God and want to honor the Lord has a genuine concern for every single person sitting in the pew. That is a lot of weight. That's a lot of concern. The idea of the administrative side, the idea of the pastoral side, the idea of the vision casting side, it's a conglomerate of things that a pastor has to either initiate and in many cases initiate and execute. All of the traditional things that are expected of us, you know, caring for the sick, caring for the hurting, Rejoicing with those that rejoice, getting prepared to preach every Sunday or however many times a week you have to share the word, in addition to all of the other public things that has to be done. And I think often the work of the pastor is underrated, underestimated, underappreciated by the people. They must have a high regard, a healthy regard for the work of the pastor. The other thing that people often forget too is that we have a lot of spiritual battles. Satan is fighting us in ways that he is not fighting the person sitting in the pew. Because a simple truth, you smite the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. If one of the congregants is smitten by Satan, the damage is nowhere near as detrimental to the body as when the shepherd is smitten by Satan. So I think often the congregation forgets that that pastor's under tremendous amount of spiritual battle as well as the normal everyday affairs of caring for people 
and caring for himself and his household. And one of the things that I've discovered over preaching for almost 40 years now is it is very common that if a pastor is preaching, particularly on a series, that he's going to be attacked in those areas. And many times the congregation isn't even aware of the kind of attacks that the pastor is under. I think it's important for us to emphasize appropriately honor the pastor too, because um, we've seen a lot of times where there's an inappropriate, um, and I'm using quotes here, honoring of the pastor. There's an inappropriate um, behavior towards him simply because he is the pastor. And so even though we as pastors are asking our congregants, like, hey, you know what, the, the second thing that you can really do to help us out is is honor our work on our the work that we've been called to there's an there's an appropriate way to do that there there's a correct way to do that there's a right way to do that there's a helpful way to do that and there's also a hurtful way to quote honor the pastor so again you know i've we've seen it where 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 there's this honoring that takes place that kind of you know kind of crosses the line into into worshiping and we'll get to that um to in reference to one of our other points um, but but there there is an appropriate way to do that, and I think that what I'd like to highlight here too also is that the Lord is the one who asks us to honor those who have the rule over you to hold them in high esteem for their work's sake. So we're just echoing in another set of vocabulary what God has already echoed in His Word. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, um, and this one is, is is a difficult one. It's it's, it's just hard for people to do. Um, but the third one is don't engage in any negative conversations about your pastor. Yes. That is so destructive. And many congregants see it as their right or their privilege and are totally blind to how Satan would use that simple conversation to plant seeds of doubt in the minds of people who might have been totally neutral. And one of the things that I've practiced over the years is if you're coming to me, well, I, I try this, I, I do this in general, but if you're coming to me to talk about a pastor, the first thing you want to know is can you verify that information? And if you can verify the information, have you followed it up? If you can't verify it, why are you repeating it? Because... All you need is just that open door in a congregation. And what people don't realize is it spreads faster than the corona. I guess that's the, that's the buzzword today. Negative conversation about the pastor. Inappropriate negative conversation about the pastor makes corona looks like, look like a joke. And congregate, congregants must understand any negative engagement of the pastor gives an opening for Satan to attack the congregation and to attack the pastor. Stop it. Just put a stop to it. And even if it is true what's being said, that's not the way to handle it. Why is it that that spreads so fast? Because it's demonic. See, what we sometimes forget is, as the Holy Spirit empowers the words of the gospel to bring transformation, Satan empowers negative words to cause division. And that's a simple spiritual truth. That's the spiritual truth formula. And we often overlook that. So Satan waits for openings to weaken a congregation. And every bit of negative news influences the thinking 
of the hearer when they see the pastor, especially when it's not been verified. And that hinders the work of the Holy Spirit in a congregation. All right, so I feel like it's, it's only fair for us to help 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 the congregants out here a little bit and so if we're saying that the third thing that they shouldn't that they should be doing to help the pastor is to not engage in any negative conversation about him then what would we say to them how would like how do we help them when they are thrown into a negative conversation when they are faced with a negative conversation when somebody just walks up to them and starts you know just, just goes into a negative conversation about the pastor or that you know anything like that like what should people do when that happens not if it happens because it's going to happen what should they do when that happens my formula is wow that's really interesting what you're saying why don't we just bow right now and pray for our pastor pray for you pray for me and let's pray for anyone else who has heard the same thing that, that's that's the best thing that that's just it let's really pray let's pray for him and if it has not been verified, then you simply say, as we pray for him, let's also pray for us that we would learn to not repeat anything that we've not been able to verify. And, and I, I think that's the best way to do it. Let's just pray for him. Let's pray for you. Let's pray for the others. Yeah, I, I'd love to know that that's what happens, but I don't think that happens. No, I, I, and I, I, it's not a thinking. It doesn't happen. That's why the, sometimes the energy in a church is sapped. That's why sometimes in a service, and this thing builds over time, and because we're not always alert to the spirit world in which we're in, we, by the time we become alert to it in our natural senses, it's long gone. But it happens every day, and almost without any restraint. And I think congregants need to become aware of that. Do not engage in those types of conversations. Let's put a stop to it. Let's really stop and pray for the pastor. If, if this is true, we need to pray for him. And that is one of the ways to curb it. You mentioned that congregants feel like they have a right. And I know I've experienced this. It almost seems like it, 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 it's like when you're, especially in reference to preaching, when you're done preaching or teaching, it seems like for some people it is vital that they critique everything you say and everything you do in the pulpit and and not in a hey i love this person so i want to help them i noticed this i heard that you know this was unclear or whatever the case may be it just seems like they they behave with this like you know what i have a right to to just basically be a review everything that the pastor does and says and so you mentioned that they have a right to to behave that way or they think they have a right to behave that way and, and to to talk that way where does that come from why why do they think they have the right and then why don't they why don't they have the right to behave that way i made a comment actually about a week ago about an individual who was very very critical and I, in the conversation, I said about the person that his ability to critique a situation really is a gift from the Lord, but it is unmanaged. And I think a lot of people who believe that they have a right to critique, I think their ability to critique is necessary. It's a necessary part of the body. But they themselves are not under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They themselves are not using that ability that God has given them in a way that builds the kingdom 
uh, and they sometimes are blind to the fact that they are actually openings for Satan. And I think when they come to grips with the fact that, you know what, my ability to critique him and my right, if I want to use it, to critique him should be motivated by my desire for him to improve and for our congregation to have a smoother flow of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Like how you said, you know, for some people, critique is a gift. Yeah, that's... And, and we need that. But we, we need, need it. We need to be done in a way that's actually helpful. They need to be walking in the control of the Holy Spirit in order for it to be beneficial for the body. Yeah. All right, number four is um, simple, but um, we, don't, we don't remember this. And it's to remember that the pastor is human. We are seen as supermen. And when we do not live up to the Superman syndrome, we are cast aside. Now, we might not be cast aside physically, but in the mind and spirit of the person whose expectation we have not met, we've been cast aside. So disappointment sets in. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's what Proverbs tells us. Sometimes what the people expect of us is just not realistic. The downside is most pastors start out trying to live up to the superhuman status. And they may be able to do it for a while, but they will fail. And congregations have to remember that man standing up there preaching gets tired just like me, gets worn just like us, gets discouraged just like us. Maybe had conflicts with his wife or his children. Maybe worried about finances, just like I might be worried about finances. Worried about the future. All of these things. And we, sometimes we're just, we're just worn out and we need someone to remember. Leave him alone. Let him catch himself. Give him time. You know, I, I give you a typical example. People who call the office for a letter of recommendation they call at nine and they want a letter for 12 o'clock forgetting that you know we already had a schedule in place for the day and it's almost as if they forget boy you know what they might have their agenda's already set let me find out when i can get this letter of recommendation you call us at the last minute to get it done then you know, you pull into the yard, you get a telephone call, something tragic happened to a person. No one is thinking that, you know what, maybe Pastor had a rough day. Let me see if maybe one of the others can come. I'll give you a quick example. How many congregations, congregants you know, have, who people in the pew can't, cannot handle the sight of blood? cannot handle the smell of the hospital, so they won't go to the hospital. But how many of them have ever stopped to wonder, is our pastor that type of person? Because maybe he can't handle the sight of blood, nor can he handle the smell of the hospital just like I can't. But if a pastor cannot handle the sight of blood and cannot handle the smell of the hospital, he'll be fired. So that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes I forget that we're not gods. We are human beings with some of the same limitations and frailties and fears that they have. Yeah, I think we, I think as pastors, we can do a better job of reminding people of that as well. I think it's easy for us to sometimes get caught up into that that superhuman, 
you know, description that you gave uh, for, for, for various reasons. But I think it is healthy when we remind um, we remind people that we're human beings and not just I, I find sometimes we, we remind them through teaching only, meaning like, you know, we we're teaching through a series or we're making a point biblically and, and you know, hey, you know, I'm human because this thing affects me, too. But I don't I don't think we do a good job of reminding them of of just non-biblical things. I remember a couple um, it's, it's been I don't remember exactly when it was, but it's been a while ago now. And I, I stood up on a Sunday morning in, a, in an adult Sunday school class. And I always, I always start the class with just, you know, kind of like some pleasantries and, and you know, asking people how they're doing and people ask how I'm doing. And, and I said, well, I'm going to be honest. This is the last place I want to be right now. And you can tell everyone kind of gave me that, like, but this is, you have to be here. And I went on to say that, you know, I didn't sleep well the night before. And, man, I, it would have been, been nice to just sleep in and enjoy the comfort of my bed and roll out of it whenever I wanted to and and just have a have a have an extended weekend so to speak and I think um I think it was towards the end of that where I was having a conversation with someone and and the person said you know I I guess I never thought of that before that you know there's been many Sundays where I just didn't feel like going to church so I didn't go and I was like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't have that luxury. And I feel like that all the time, <laughs> you know, like not every Sunday, but there are many days where it's like, man, I don't, I just wish I could sleep in. And, and so I think some of those little, little human nature things uh, we could help remind people of too, um, as we're asking them to remember that we are human. I, I'll give you another quick example. We announced that the office was closing for the Christmas. We were closing at one. We announced the day that we were closing a gentleman from church walked to me and said, Pastor, I need to see you. I'd like to see you. Can I see you tomorrow? Which would have been Monday. I said, no, I'm not seeing anybody on Mondays. That's usually my day off. He said, well, can I see you on Tuesday? I said, yes, Tuesday you can see me, but my schedule is really full. So I will give you a call on Tuesday morning as to when you can come in. And I had a 10. My office closes at 1 now. I had a 10, 11, 12, 1, and two o'clock appointment, trying to fit everyone in before we closed. So I said to him, come at 9.30. He comes at 9.30 with a form that he wants to turn in before the year is ended. And so he asked if I could write a letter of recommendation for him. I said, yes. I said, but you know, today's the last day. Leave the information with the secretary and I'll see what I can do. So I see him the next day. He wants to know if I did the letter. I said, no. I didn't leave my office at 3 o'clock. It should be closed at 1, and I was trying to fit everyone in before we closed. He said, but I really wanted to turn the application in. I said, well, you have two choices. You could turn it in without the letter, or you can wait until the new year. He said, but I wanted it in before the year was out. I said, well, I, I can't help you. you know, we, I, I've already extended myself beyond the time, and I'll have to do it for you when we get back in an office. Again, no appreciation for the fact that this is a human being with a full schedule with limitations, and I may have to wait. And I think that's the kind of thing that we have to deal with all the time. Yeah. Um, the fifth one is uh, for the, the congregation or the pew, so to speak. Um, they should care for the pastor and his family or his household. Um, so just, just caring for him, not just 
by himself, but that care for him includes his family. Yeah, well, for example, I, I have people that would say to me, Pastor, I have this cake for you. And my wife is standing right there. Well, but I, I don't understand that. This is a cake for your household. I've had people that drop off a plate of food. You know, Pastor, I'm bringing by a plate of food for you. And I'm thinking, but you know, I have a wife. Yeah. So these are the things that are done often. And then usually, too, when we talk about caring, I'm looking at it in a broader scope. You have to ensure that the church, if the, the church is able to pay a salary to where the, the pastor can ably care for his family. But just in the little things, I think sometimes people forget that. Now, I know that you have these, every, every pastor has a special person who likes to bake the sweets for him or someone who likes a particular dish that they serve for the pastor. And I, I'm not excluding that. But I think often they forget that we are not lone rangers, that our wives need encouragement, our children may need encouragement, especially if the children are at home. They need encouragement just like anyone else. And you cannot disregard the spouse and expect to be embraced by the spiritual leader. It just doesn't work that way. And I think sometimes congregations forget that. Yeah, one of the things that I add to that too is... I think when we are asking for the to remember that our families need care to I think they need to it's helpful when congregations remember too that that care is specific. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen times in the past where there's a very noble and good will and good intentioned effort to care for a pastor's family member but that person's caring for them the same way they would care for just another pastor's family right. member and there's not there's not a lot of like specific it's not personalized yeah it's not specific to right. to that to that family member of that pastor and so that's the only thing I would add to that um, as far as as caring for their families and I must admit uh, at the congregate the, the church where I'm at where I am now um, they do a fantastic job of that of of not just caring for each individual pastor on our staff, but they really invest in and care for their wives and their families and their children and and sometimes even extended family. And so um, it's 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 a blessing to be in a place where where that's valued. Um, the last thing, number six on the list, is to give the pastor room to make mistakes. I think sometimes, again, I think this goes back to the God complex. A mistake that we would make is multiplied seven, eight times compared to a person sitting in the pew making the same mistake. And I'm not here speaking about a moral mis- you know, failure. I'm not talking about anything untoward, just simple mistakes. Yeah, like, hey, we planned an event and I thought it was going to go great and it didn't. Yeah. Or maybe I just forgot to get something done that was significant. I, I just forgot. So... Give room to make mistakes without having to go through penitence, you know, without having to pay a price, without being labeled that way. Make room. And one of the things that I found is, and I've worked with, in in our association, I had a superintendent who was a really good friend of mine, and he had some weaknesses. And I just made up my mind as his assistant that I covered those weaknesses for him. Because he's human. And I think that's what we need sometimes, too. We need room to make mistakes. 
and, and we don't need our mistakes highlighted more than once. We don't need the mistakes highlighted as, as if that becomes our hallmark, our, our, you know, our legacy. We need room to make mistakes and move on without having to always pay for that mistake. Yeah, and this list, the purpose of this is to, to extend, if you will, the, the thought process or, the, or, or just the reminding of congregations that we, we need your help. Yeah, um, but we, we can't do it alone. Yeah, we, we can't do it alone. We, we can't get all the things done. We can't get to every individual. We can't be at all the places at the same time. We, we can't do all those things. We, we're also not the best at everything. Uh, there are some things that there's people in the congregation they're just way better at. And they're more skilled. Uh, yeah. They have more information. And so when we add these six things to, to the already long list, if you will, of things that really helps uh, a congregation be successful under its under its pastor. These are the things that that really helps uh, facilitate a pastor in his in his calling. And so, so this this is good. Hopefully, hopefully you can take these things and 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 kind of comb through them. See, look at the areas where you've done a good job. Look at the areas where you need improvement. Um, maybe even have a conversation with your pastor and, and tell tell him that hey. You know, I, I heard this, and these are the six things that were suggested. Is there anything you would add to this? If, is there anything that you would um, tweak or clarify? Uh, and, and the purpose is really to help help that pastor be uh, just be be successful at at his calling. And so, um, these this is one of those episodes that we well every episode I love feedback, but this is definitely one of those episodes where if you have some feedback about about the list, about things that you've seen that has worked, that's not worked. Uh, a comment, even if it's a comment that we're, if you disagree with something that we said, disagree with one of the items on the list, please um, leave a comment um, so that we know we can we'll have some interaction with you. Uh, also, uh, you can rate rate this episode and rate our podcast, and that helps us uh, just get our episode to more people. So we appreciate that. Again, this is the How Did I Get Here podcast. <laughs>